0: Welcome to Outside the House, where we discuss local and national political issues and ideas with the lens of social and climate justice, and connect with the radical people who are taking action across the country because they believe we can do better. I'd like to acknowledge that the land we live on, also known as Turtle Island, in addition to the traditional names locally, is sacred land that has been inhabited by Indigenous and First Nations people for more than 15,000 years. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share space, honor, and celebrate the lives and traditions of those whose land was stolen from them. I'm your host, Katie Robertson, and welcome to this episode of Outside the House. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Outside the House. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm pleased to welcome uh, my next guest. Her name is Hope. She is a PhD student at Georgia State University and a mental health advocate. I found Hope on Instagram, which is where I found most of my guests actually so far. Um, she has shared a lot of resources for trauma survivors and as a, and as a uh, childhood trauma survivor of myself, I've really was able to connect with Hope and I'm so pleased to welcome her. Hi Hope, thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, I'm, I'm Hope, nice to meet you and also nice to talk to you about um, mental health and trauma survivors. and. Um, So I am a doctoral student at um, Georgia State University. I'm studying applied linguistics and my focus areas are in second language writing and disability and rhetoric. So I try to focus more on how uh, disabled students um, who are English language learners um, be able to um, interact better in classroom settings And that um, is a little bit difficult and challenging because it's not a field that is like uh, really talked about a lot in applied linguistics. And a lot of my professors and colleagues don't really know about it, but then still I'm passionate about this subject. So I'm pursuing that. Um, um, And on Survivor & Co, uh, which is my Instagram handle, I talk about traumas survivors and how to deal with uh, the mental health symptoms that come up as a result of trauma and what types of um, traumatic uh, materials that might come up um, after the trauma has happened. And so I also specifically focus on dissociation And I also make art and music and stuff like all those, you know, creative stuff. I really like those things. Yeah, I
0: had a I had an opportunity to take a look at some of the other places that you create and share things in the digital space, and it definitely seems like uh, you're putting a lot out there for people to be able to consume. So it's really it's really lovely, and thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah, no problem. I always had like this desire to share because I've been like my voice in mental health about mental health has been pretty much suppressed because of my culture um, which really doesn't talk about mental health that much so it really I don't know it's really helpful for for me as well to be able to share in such diverse platforms and I'm really grateful for people who are watching me as (laughs) I create content out there
0: Hope, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you had mentioned something about your culture, suppressing, being able to talk about this. Would you you care to share a little bit more, expand on that?
1: Yeah. So um, I am from South Korea. Um, I was born and raised in South Korea. But then I I spent a little bit of time in the U.S. when I was little and then also in Japan when I was older. Then, yeah, so I'm quite... Um, third culture person Um, but at the same time I was heavily influenced by the Korean culture where it's very homogeneous and mental health is very highly stigmatized and you don't really talk about um, mental health um, things and like the stigma is that if you have if you have depression you're really unable to function and you're just um yeah you're just depressed all the time
0: yeah like there's something broken in you that can't be fixed mhm
1: yeah so that's what it's viewed as so like it's really hard to identify yourself with um oh i'm depressed or i'm anxious it's just it's just a, such a big thing to say those things out loud um, although people complain all the time about their lives and stuff like that, they, in terms of mental health, they really distance themselves from talking about it. So I was also heavily influenced by that and also because of my family culture as well, where you don't really talk about negative stuff. Like whenever I talk about negative stuff, when I say negative, it's... Um, in terms of my family what they think is negative for example like death or murder or some i don't know depressing content um they i wasn't a, allowed to talk about those things and because of that i think a lot of the depression and anxiety that has existed since childhood has been pretty much suppressed and really not talked about and kind of pent up so that's something that um i wish to see more change in and i i am seeing more change um in the korean culture these days um as there are more awareness but yeah that's kind of the context
0: wow thank you thank you for sharing that hope it it seems that it you know, it takes a lot of courage to it takes a lot of courage for anybody to um, take responsibility for their mental health and, and regain some sense of agency over that and then speak up about it. And I think, um, you know, when you talk about the stigma around that and having to break that down, it, it really is uh, re- inspiring and courageous of you to do that. But could you talk a little bit about how or like what was your first step in that journey of of seeking those answers and and speaking your truth around mental health
1: yeah so there were several stages but um to talk about the first step um it's kind of a long story but I'll I don't know I'll try to make it <laughs> simple um so so I I have uh, experienced childhood trauma and I knew about it uh, for a a long time. Um, I just didn't understand the meaning or the significance of it, um, and just kind of felt numb around it. Um, But I was in a religious institution, uh, a specific one for four years, which was very fervently and emotionally abusive. Um, Now that I think about it, back then, I didn't know. But um so yeah so at that institution they they had some sort of a retreat where they talked about inner healing and they said um pray to god so that he will show you what what sufferings and what hurt that you have been through when you are younger and only if you get healing from those areas um you will be more free and you will gain more I don't know faith I think um is what they said so I, I I was praying and then I got this I started having these flashbacks um of my childhood trauma and I didn't know what to do with it I started sobbing I was like so I started having these flashbacks and then I didn't know what to do with it and then the people at the institution didn't know what to do with it. Um, they were kind of like, Are you feeling better now? Like <laughs> the next day they're asking me, like, how about now? Like, <laughs>
0: like are you done crying yet? <laughs>
1: yeah. Are you healed now? Like so, something like that. And um yeah, and so like that at that point I knew that something was wrong and i needed some change but then the environment didn't allow me to but that was when i moved to the u.s um right after that incident um so when i moved to the u.s i talked to my friends around me about what was going on and um fortunately a lot of the people who uh were my friends back then were had their majors in social work, or medical studies, or public health. So they were very knowledgeable about um, mental health. And they pointed me in the direction of like, what about if you start getting counseling? So that's when I started thinking about, okay, so counseling and medication could be a method of um, healing. Like, I didn't I didn't even consider that or I didn't even consider myself to be depressed um even even months and years after that um it was hard to accept the f- diagnosis and everything but and the PTSD and everything but that's that was kind of the first step like it wasn't an intentional step uh it was quite um abrupt and yeah, because of the suppressed trauma, I think. But it was a blessing in disguise because I could start um, healing from that. Ironically, yeah.
0: So is that is is so is that mm, suppression? Is that what it means? What you mean by disassociation or dissociation? Yeah.
1: So by dissociation, dissociation is like. Uh, and before I mention this, I want to say that I'm not a mental health professional. I forgot to say this in the beginning. Um, I'm, I just speak for myself and my from my per- personal lived experience and also my experience um, um, doing volunteer work at mental health hospitals and um, crisis intervention centers. So those are some of the context um, where I derive this it's just a lot of personal research. Um, so yeah, so by dissociation, um, so there are a spectrum of experiences What when you experience dissociation. At the one end is just normal dissociation. They say about 80 to 90% of people experience this type of dissociation, which is when you forget what you you know, how you've been driving for the last 15 minutes, like, or you are in the middle of a class and you forget like 30 minutes of what happened there. The, so the good kind. Yeah, part. the good kind, the, <laughs> the kind that helps you sort of maintain. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then there's the other end where you experience a disruption in your identity. Um, which is um, called dissociative identity disorder. So there's this spectrum from normal dissociation to uh, uh, dissociative disorders that impacts your life very heavily, such as you just forget why you've got um, to a shopping center. All of a sudden you're at this, another city, you find yourself there. That's another, um, the end of the spectrum. and. There's wow. this um, uh, dissociative uh, symptoms in the middle that are kind of like you have a sense of like different identities in yourself you don't really know who you are or you kind of have emotional amnesia, which means um, the the kind of things that I'm talking about like I had trauma, but I didn't remember the emotional effects of it like what i felt at that moment until i started having flashbacks that's when my emotions came back um so that kind of lies in this spectrum so it is very interesting to see how people experience dissociation as a result of trauma because they the brain is trying to protect the child's um child's brain and body and mind from this devastating effects of trauma that a child cannot endure on their own and mostly um, when they're in an abusive environment their family or friends around them um, normally are not able to help them cope and support them with these traumatic events so that's why the brain copes with these traumatic events by dissociating.
0: I'm just wondering how that plays out now that you're an adult, um, you know, I, I guess considered an adult survivor of childhood trauma and and how that plays out with your mental health now or just generally speaking for adults of the same ex- or similar yeah, experience. So this
1: is a topic that I'm very passionate about which is um, that adult adult survivors of childhood trauma could experience delayed post-traumatic stress responses Um, or uh, adult survivors of childhood trauma um, may have PTSD but they might have these little, little T's, people call it little T and big T, big T meaning like really big trauma and small t meaning smaller traumas which is not a great way to put it because all traumas are valid all traumas are bad enough Um, but still that's what they call it to explain complex trauma which is a combination of diverse little um, traumas that add up to affect the adult in a significant way and i'm interested in this because i'm also an adult survivor with childhood trauma and i have been medically recognized which means i wasn't diagnosed but i have been told by medical professionals that i have complex ptsd um as a result of various extensive trauma when i was younger and this has this has impacted me a lot um, in terms of various, uh, various ways. For example, one of the posts that I have written about um, the manifestations of childhood abuse on adult survivors, it may, it may manifest as um, depression, eating disorders, anxiety, self-destructive interpersonal relationships or re-victimization, um, going back to the similar um, victimizing situation over and over again, just to you know, get a release um, from that traumatic experience. So, and there's um, this uh, self-neglect, low self-esteem and dissociative patterns, flashbacks, nightmares, And you may also experience sexual relationship and intimacy problems. And lastly, you can also experience a lot of repression and denial of traumatic events, which can lead to more suppression and more pent up traumatic symptoms that appear in your body, because you're not letting the trauma release um, in a healthy way if that happens. Um, it, it can happen in your body as well, like starting to have like unknown migraines or stomach aches and things like that. So there's a lot of different ways, um, adult survivors may experience as a result of childhood trauma.
0: Yes. And I've seen it, um, and read about it manifesting itself as you know even disease i know you've talked a little bit about some illnesses but things like cancer um can can that's how the um trauma can manifest itself um i have somebody very close to me who is um a veteran and um is a survivor obviously of of some pretty painful trauma but he was not diagnosed for almost nine years and the only reason that he eventually was was because um it started manifesting itself physically in his body and all of these things started failing and then thankfully the doctor um that he interacted with had had other patients like this so, and was able to say like hey tell me about you know your time on tour and." and then it sort of yeah. opened that 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 Pandora's box as it were but mm-hmm. so it's it's a, it's incredible how powerful um our bodies are and especially as children that reaction to protect ourselves and yet it's can be so damaging in the in the long term if it's not um addressed
1: yeah that's why it's so important um that you know we help prevent these um, childhood traumas from happening in the first place, and recognizing when childhood abuse is happening and reporting it um, in a safe way. And also, it's important um, to have supportive network around children, um, because it says in the literature that um, children who have experienced childhood trauma, but have had supportive network around them that helped them through that trauma and help them get justice and things like that would have less post-traumatic stress symptoms than, than children who were just left on their own after the traumatic event happened. Um, So it's so important to know that you can prevent these symptoms of childhood abuse uh, on adult survivors by having these uh, very supportive network of people who can help them um, survive it and not just dismissing the event because they're young they will forget it later or you know they don't really understand what that what happened so like we don't have to support them in a way like that, that really doesn't work. Um, And children have their own sense of mind and they're more easily um, influenced by these events. So it's important to yeah, be there for children when they are younger.
0: And I hear this reoccurring um, sentiment that, oh, it's okay because children are so resilient and they'll be fine. Uh, which to me is one of the biggest myths when we're talking about, especially children who do experience trauma that sure. Yes. Yes. They are resilient, but this obviously, um, can affect them deeply later on in life.
1: Yeah. It can definitely, yeah. It affects them so much and so much more because they are a child, their brains are growing. Their minds are, um, Developing so it can impact them even more than we we think.
0: Hope can you talk a little bit about? I saw that you had um, published mental health and allyship resources for um, Asian people of color. Can you talk a little mm. bit about that side of things? So was it harder or easier for you to access, or um, did you did you find that being um part of that intersection affected your ability to heal uh, um, particularly in your experience living in in the u.s
1: yeah so that um coming from personal experience i i haven't lived in the u.s um for too long um so i'm kind of like an immigrant kind of like a <laughs> I am <Yeah>. an immigrant <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> yeah recognize my own intersection in that way. But anyway, so um, but I have experienced uh, racism when I was little because I lived in the U.S. when I was little. Like people just saying random Korean words to me, or Chinese words, or Japanese words to me, like all those microaggressions and um. And even recently, I've experienced that when I was moving in, like people saying "ni hao" to me, and I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then, and then on another person said um, a Japanese um, to me. And uh, anyway, so th- those kind of microaggressions kind of add up to be quite traumatic, according to research, mm-hmm. um, and. So I think the barriers that I face is um, in finding therapists or people around me who are supportive uh, and who are knowledgeable about this topic of racism and how much it can be traumatic for um, these people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, Because um, an experience I had with a therapist was that she wasn't really, um, didn't really recognize racism as an issue, I think, and when I brought up the issue of racism, she said I was being sensitive, so I told her I wasn't being sensitive, it's just human sense, um, humanity-wise, like, when George Floyd, um, had, was killed, um, I felt so much anger and so much um flashbacks and trauma symptoms um so i was I said I wasn't being sensitive and she started being very defensive and um, yeah, so my therapeutic relationship with that therapist ended at that point um and every time I go to find a new therapist, I have to kind of gouge, whether they are um, knowledgeable about um, people of color and the hardships they've experienced as a trauma specialist. Um, because even if they say they're a trauma specialist, they might not be experienced in um, treating people of color and the trauma they experience as a result of this racism. So yeah, I think that's one of the struggles that I experience. Um
0: thank thank you for sharing that. I definitely I've I've read I've done a lot of reading about how you know because particularly psychotherapy is based on, you know, western european ideologies and um most of the practitioners are white, then um it can actually cause more trauma or, or create more mental health, um, challenges because of racism and colonialism and stigma that's, that's attached. Right. So, um, I really appreciate you sharing that. So from having said that now, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a white person Um my, my ancestors are from Scotland and, um, how can, Um, myself and other white people build allyship um, with regards to mental health and and supporting um, Asian people of color?
1: I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of people talk about um, doing anti-racism work and undoing those colonial um, things. but um, And you can read a lot of books about it. But I think it's not, um, I don't know, it's not that hard to be supportive of um, Asian people of color as well as people of color. Um, as long as you recognize that they have been influenced negatively by the systemic racism and how, how perpetuating the impact of racism is and how traumatic that can be for um survivors of racism. So just having that acknowledgement um is very very helpful, I think, for people of color who are trying to talk about these things, like just um acknowledge, being acknowledged that they've been hurt by the systemic racism is in itself very healing, I think. Um because there's really a not, not a lot of people who recognize that even and um and other ways you can work on this i think everybody is uh everybody has a seed of racism in themselves because of systemic racism and even Asians even people of color um can be racist so um even me, I cannot say that I'm totally, you know, anti racist, because there are some ingrained parts of me that think uh, certain people of color has some sort of, uh, I don't know, categorizing them in a Mm way. Um, So I think it's important for everybody um, to work start working about on anti racism. I'm I'm a really like knowledge based person, so I like to read. So I I can um recommend some books that you can read. Okay. <laughs> I like the book called The Inner Work of Racial Justice. Um the, the Inner Work of Racial Justice is by Ron Rhonda v. Maji. Yeah, the the important thing is to start getting educated um, on the subject of racism and just reading about it and learning from their experiences, Um, talking to people of color about these issues if that's possible and there's people of color around you um, would be helpful and starting to um for asian people of color i think it's uh even more marginalized sometimes not very talked about so i think um encouraging asian people of color to speak up about this and also um sharing the voices of asian people of color um might be also helpful Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i think too uh if i you know i'm just thinking about from a political or, or government side of things, the role that they play, um, in this is, you know, something that does matter is rep is representation representation matters, you know, deeply in this, in this situation in terms of, um, supporting Asian people of color and, and, um, you know, black indigenous and, and other people of color as well. So um, having that awareness, you know, it starts in things like um, equal opportunity. I, I don't think that's the proper term, but, um, you know, admissions to schools even to, to see more um, more Asian people of color to go into the field of mental health to be able to support and and, have, and for people to have that representation
1: yeah yeah i think so and to um if you do want to an easy way to get to know more people who are working for asian mental health you can visit asian mental health project um which is an instagram handle as well as asians for mental health asians through therapy asian mental health collective and there's a lot more that I have shared on my page if you want to check that out
0: amazing, thank you. Thank you so much for this um for this experience and this opportunity to share and have this conversation with you um for anybody that's interested in learning more connecting with hope, you uh, can find her on instagram at survivor and co um that's that's on instagram and then there's a couple of other places that you can find her um patreon and you also have a website with a blog right it's um mm-hmm. christina hope is that what it is
1: christina hope.com yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, Christina. Hope that comes and her, and
0: the Patreon is also uh, of the same name, Survivor and Co. So, again, hope. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I, I truly appreciate the energy and the time that you put into this, and for sharing your story and and having the courage to um to do this for yourself and and, and your mental health and and your life.
1: <laughs> yeah. No problem. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk about these topics. It was really enjoyable to talk about it um, (laughs) with someone and to share more about what I do. And yeah, it was a very good time. Awesome. Thank 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 you you so much. Stay safe and be well. (laughs) You too.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Outside the House. We'd like to thank our guests, valued sponsors, and of course all of our listeners for your support. Don't miss any of our weekly episodes. follow us on social media and subscribe at patreon.com/outside the house for ad-free and uncut content. Stay safe and be well. Welcome to Outside the House, where we discuss local and national political issues and ideas, with the lens of social and climate justice, and connect with the radical people who are taking action across the country because they believe we can do better. I'd like to acknowledge that the land we live on, also known as Turtle Island, in addition to the traditional names locally, is sacred land that has been inhabited by Indigenous and First Nations people for more than 15,000 years. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share space, honor, and celebrate the lives and traditions of those whose land was stolen from them. I'm your host, Katie Robertson, and welcome to this episode of Outside the House. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Outside the House. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm pleased to welcome uh, my next guest. Her name is Hope. She is a PhD student at Georgia State University and a mental health advocate. I found Hope on Instagram, which is where I found most of my guests actually so far. Um, she has shared a lot of resources for trauma survivors and as a, and as a uh, childhood trauma survivor myself, I've really was able to connect with Hope and I'm so pleased to welcome her. Hi Hope, thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, I'm, I'm Hope, nice to meet you and also nice to talk to you about um, mental health and trauma survivors. And um, So I am a doctoral student at um, Georgia State University. I'm studying applied linguistics and my focus areas are in second language writing and disability and rhetoric. So I try to focus more on how uh, disabled students um, who are English language learners um, be able to um, interact better in classroom settings and that um, is a little bit difficult and challenging because it's not a field that is like uh, really talked about a lot in applied linguistics and a lot of my professors and colleagues don't really know about it but then still i'm passionate about this subject so i'm pursuing that Um, um, and on survivor and co uh, which is my instagram handle i talk about traumas survivors and how to deal with uh, um, mental health symptoms that come up as a result of trauma and what types of um, traumatic uh, materials that might come up um, after the trauma has happened. And so I also specifically focus on dissociation and I also make art and music and stuff like all those, you know, creative stuff. I really like those things.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had an opportunity to take a look at some of the other places that you create and share things in the digital space. And it definitely seems like uh, you're putting a lot out there for people to be able to consume. So it's really, it's really lovely. And thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah, no problem. I always had like, this desire to share because I've been like my voice in mental health about mental health has been pretty much suppressed because of my culture um, which really doesn't talk about mental health that much so it really I don't know it's really helpful for, for me as well to be able to share in such diverse platforms and I'm really grateful for people who are watching me as (laughs) I create content out there. Hope, can you
0: talk a little bit about, um, you know, you had mentioned something about your culture, suppressing, being able to talk about this. Would you care to share a little bit more, expand on that?
1: Yeah, so um, I am from South Korea. Um, I was born and raised in South Korea, but then I... I spent a little bit of time in the US when I was little, and then also in Japan when I was older. Then, yeah, so I'm quite um, third culture person. Um, But at the same time, I was heavily influenced by the Korean culture where it's very homogeneous and mental health is very highly stigmatized. And you don't really talk about um, mental health um, things and like the stigma is that if you have if you have depression you're um, really unable to function and you're just um yeah you're just depressed all the time
0: yeah like there's something broken in you that can't be fixed
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what it's viewed as so like it's really hard to identify yourself with um, oh I'm depressed or I'm anxious it's just it's just such a big thing to say those things out loud Um, although people complain all the time about their lives and stuff like that they in terms of mental health they really distance themselves from talking about it so I was also heavily influenced by that and also because of my family culture as well where you don't really talk about negative stuff like whenever i talk about negative stuff when i say negative it's um in terms of my family what they think is negative for example like death, or murder or some i don't know depressing content um they i wasn't allowed to talk about those things and because of that i think a lot of the depression and anxiety that has existed since childhood has been pretty much suppressed and really not talked about and kind of pent up. So that's something that um, I wish to see more change in. And I I am seeing more change um, in the Korean culture these days um, as there are more awareness, but yeah, that's kind of the context.
0: Wow! Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Hope it seems that it, you know, it takes a lot of courage to. It takes a lot of courage for anybody to um, take responsibility for their mental health and and regain some sense of agency over that, and then speak up about it. And I think, um, you know, when you talk about the stigma around that and having to break that down, it it really is uh, re- inspiring and courageous of you to do that. Could you talk a little bit about how or like what was your first step in that journey of of seeking those answers and and speaking your truth around mental health?
1: Yeah, so there were several stages, but um, to talk about the first step, um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll I don't know. I'll try to make it (laughs) simple. Um, So. So I I have uh, experienced childhood trauma, and I knew about it uh, for a a long time. Um, I just didn't understand the meaning or the significance of it um, and just kind of felt numb around it. Um, But I was in a religious institution, uh, a specific one for four years, which was very verbally and emotionally abusive. now that I think about it, back then I didn't know, but um, so yeah. So at that institution, they they had some sort of a retreat where they talked about inner healing, and they said um, pray to God so that He will show you what what sufferings and what hurt that you have been through when you were younger, and. Only if you get healing from those areas, um, you will be more free and you will gain more, I don't know, faith, I think, um, is what they said. So I I was praying and then I got this, I started having these flashbacks um, of my childhood trauma and I didn't know what to do with it. I started sobbing. I was like, so... I started having these flashbacks and then I didn't know what to do with it. And then the people at the institution didn't know what to do with it. Um, they were kind of like, are you feeling better now? Like <laughs> the next day they're asking me like, how about now? Like, <laughs> like are
0: you done crying
1: yet? <laughs> yeah. Are you healed now? Like so- something like that. And um, yeah. And so like that at that point I knew that something was wrong and I needed some change but then the environment didn't allow me to but that was when I moved to the U.S. um, right after that incident Um, so when I moved to the U.S. I talked to my friends around me about what was going on and um fortunately a lot of the people who uh were my friends back then were had their majors in social work or medical studies or public health so they were very knowledgeable about um mental health and they pointed me in the direction of like what about if you start getting counseling so that's when I started thinking about okay so counseling and medication could be a method of um, healing like I didn't I didn't even consider that or I didn't even consider myself to be depressed Um, even even months and years after that um, it was hard to accept the diagnosis and everything but and the PTSD and everything but that's that was kind of the first step like it wasn't an intentional step Uh, it was quite um, abrupt and yeah because of the suppressed trauma I think but it was a blessing in disguise because I could start um, healing from that ironically yeah
0: right right so is that is is so is that um mm, suppression is that what it means what you mean by disassociation or dissociation
1: yeah so by dissociation dissociation is like uh and before i mentioned this i want to say that i'm not a mental health professional i forgot to say this in the beginning um i'm i just speak for myself and my from my per- personal lived experience and also my experience um um, doing volunteer work at mental health hospitals and um, crisis intervention centers. So those are some of the contexts um, where I derive this. It's a lot of personal research. Um, so, yeah, so by dissociation, um, so there are a spectrum of experiences. What When you experience dissociation at the one end is just normal dissociation they say about 80 to 90 percent of people experience this type of dissociation which is when you forget what you you know how you've been driving for the last 15 minutes like or you are in the middle of a class and you forget like 30 minutes of what happened there. So the good yeah, kind the good <laughs> science, the, the kind that helps you sort of uh, maintain of yeah. <laughs> and but then there's the other end where you experience a disruption in your identity um which is um called dissociative identity disorder. So there's this spectrum from normal dissociation to Uh, uh, dissociative disorders that impacts your life very heavily such as you just forget why you've got um, to a shopping center all of a sudden you're at this another city you find yourself there that's another um, the end of the spectrum and there's this um, uh, dissociative uh, symptoms in the middle that are kind of like you have a sense of like Different identities in yourself. You don't really know who you are, or you kind of have emotional amnesia, which means um, the the kind of things that I'm talking about. Like I had trauma, but I didn't remember the emotional effects of it, like what I felt at that moment. Until I started having flashbacks, that's when my emotions came back um so that kind of lies in this spectrum so it is very interesting to see how people experience dissociation as a result of trauma because they the brain is trying to protect the child's um child's brain and body and mind from this devastating effects of trauma that a child cannot endure on their own and mostly Um, when they're in an abusive environment, their family or friends around them um, normally are not able to help them cope and support them with these traumatic events. So that's why the brain copes with these traumatic events by dissociating.
0: I'm just wondering how that plays out now that you're an adult, um, you know, I, I guess considered an adult survivor of childhood trauma and and how that plays out with your mental health now or just generally speaking for adults of the same ex- or similar yeah, experience? So this
1: is a topic that I'm very passionate about, which is um, that adult adult survivors of childhood trauma could experience delayed post-traumatic stress responses um or uh, adult survivors of childhood trauma um may have PTSD but they might have these little little ts. People call it little T and big T, big T meaning like really big trauma and small T meaning smaller traumas, which is not a great way to put it because all traumas are valid, all traumas are bad enough. Um but still, that's what they call it to explain complex trauma, which is a combination of diverse little um traumas that add up to affect the adult in a significant way so um and I'm interested in this because I'm also an adult survivor of childhood trauma and I have been medically recognized, which means I wasn't diagnosed, but I have been told by medical professionals that I have complex PTSD um, as a result of various extensive trauma when I was younger. And this has this has impacted me a lot um, in terms of various uh various ways for example one of the posts that i have written about um the manifestations of childhood abuse on adult survivors it may it may manifest as um, depression eating disorders anxiety self-destructive interpersonal relationships or re-victimization going back to the similar um, victimizing situation over and over again, just to you know, get a release um, from that traumatic experience. So, and there's um, this uh, self neglect, low self-esteem and dissociative patterns, flashbacks, nightmares. And you may also experience sexual relationship and intimacy problems. And lastly, you can also experience a lot of repression and denial of traumatic events, which can lead to more suppression and more pent-up traumatic symptoms that appear in your body because you're not letting the trauma release um, in a healthy way. If that happens, um, it it can happen in your body as well like starting to have like unknown migraines or stomach aches and things like that so there's a lot of different ways um, adult survivors may experience as a result of childhood trauma
0: yes and i've seen it um and read about it manifesting itself as, you know, even disease. I know you've talked a little bit about some illnesses, but things like cancer um, can, can, that's how the um, trauma can manifest itself. Um, I have somebody very close to me who is um, a veteran and um, is a survivor, obviously of, of some pretty painful trauma, but he was not diagnosed for almost nine years. And the only reason that he eventually was, was because um, it started manifesting itself physically in his body and all of these things started failing. And then thankfully the doctor um, that he interacted with had, had other patients like this. So, and was able to say like, Hey, tell me about, you know, your time on tour and, and then it sort of yeah. opened that 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 Pandora's box as it were but mm-hmm. so it's it's a, it's incredible how powerful um our bodies are and especially as children that reaction to protect ourselves and yet it's can be so damaging in the in the long term if it's not um addressed
1: yeah that's why it's so important um that you know we help prevent these um, childhood traumas from happening in the first place and recognizing when childhood abuse is happening and reporting it um, in a safe way. And also it's important um, to have supportive network around children um, because it says in the literature that um, children who... Have experienced childhood trauma, but have had supportive network around them that helped them through that trauma and helped them get justice and things like that, would have less post-traumatic stress symptoms than than children who were just left on their own after the traumatic event happened. Um, so it's so important to know that you can prevent these symptoms of childhood abuse uh, on adult survivors by having these uh, very supportive network of people who can help them um, survive it and not just dismissing the event because they're young, they will forget it later, or, you know, they don't really understand what that what happened. So like, we don't ha- have a to support them in a way like that, that really doesn't work. Um, And children have their own sense of mind and they're more easily um, influenced by these events. So it's important to, yeah, be there for children when they are younger.
0: And I hear this reoccurring um, sentiment that, oh, it's okay because children are so resilient and they'll be fine. Uh, which to me is one of the biggest myths when we're talking about especially children who do experience trauma that sure yes yes they are resilient but this obviously um can affect them deeply later on in life
1: yeah you can definitely yeah it affects them so much and so much more because they are a child their brains are growing their minds are um developing so it can impact them even more than we we think.
0: Hope, can you talk a little bit about? I saw that you had um, published mm-hmm. mental health and allyship resources for um, Asian people of color. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that side of things? So, was it harder or easier for you to access, or um, did you did you find that being um part of that intersection affected your ability to heal uh, um particularly in your experience living in in the US
1: yeah so that um coming from personal experience i i haven't lived in the US um for too long um so i'm kind of like an immigrant kind of like a i am <laughs> <Yeah>. an immigrant <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> yeah recognize my own intersection in that way. But anyway, so, um, but I have experienced uh, racism when I was little because I lived in the U.S. when I was little. Like people just saying random Korean words to me or Chinese words or Japanese words to me, like all those microaggressions and... um. And even recently, I've experienced that when I was moving in, like people saying ni hao to me. And I was like, what what are you talking about? And then and then on another person said um, a Japanese um, to me. And uh, anyway, so th- those kind of microaggressions kind of add up to be quite traumatic, according to research um, and So I think the barriers that I face is um, in finding therapists or people around me who are supportive uh, and who are knowledgeable about this topic of racism and how much it can be traumatic for um, these people of color. Mm -hmm. uh, Because... Um, an experience I had with a therapist was that she wasn't really um, didn't really recognize racism as an issue I think and when I brought up the issue of racism she said I was being sensitive so I told her I wasn't being sensitive it's just human sense um, humanity wise like when George Floyd um, had was killed um, I felt so much anger and so much um, flashbacks and trauma symptoms um, so I was I said I wasn't being sensitive and she started being very defensive and um, yeah so my therapeutic relationship with that therapist ended at that point point. Um, and every time I go to find a new therapist I have to Kind of gauge whether they are um, knowledgeable about um, people of color and the hardships they've experienced as a trauma specialist um, because even if they say they're a trauma specialist, they might not be experienced in um, treating people of color and the trauma they experience as a result of this racism. So yeah i think that's one of the struggles that i experience um
0: thank thank you for sharing that i definitely i've i've read i've done a lot of reading about how you know because particularly psychotherapy is based on you know western european ideologies and um most of the practitioners are white then um it can actually cause more trauma or, or create more mental health, um, challenges because of racism and colonialism and stigma that's, that's attached. Right. So, um, I really appreciate you sharing that. So from having said that now, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a white person Um my, my ancestors are from Scotland and, um, how can, um, myself and other white people build allyship um with regards to mental health and and supporting um Asian people of color.
1: I think um yeah I think a lot of people talk about um doing anti racism work and undoing those colonial things but um and you can read a lot of books about it. But I think it's not Mm, I don't know. It's not that hard to be supportive of um Asian people of color as well as people of color. Um as long as you recognize that they have been influenced negatively by the systemic racism and how how perpetuating the impact of racism is and how traumatic that can be for um survivors of racism so just having that acknowledgement um, is very very helpful I think for people of color who are trying to talk about these things like just um, acknowledge, being acknowledged that they've been hurt by the systemic racism is in itself very healing I think um, because there's really a not, not a lot of people who recognize that even and um and other ways you can work on this i think everybody is uh everybody has a seed of racism in themselves because of systemic racism and even Asians even people of color um can be racist so um even me, I cannot say that I'm totally, you know, anti-racist because there are some ingrained parts of me that think uh, certain people of color has some sort of, uh, I don't know, categorizing them in a mm-hmm. way. Um, so I think it's important for everybody um, to work start working about on anti-racism i'm i'm a really like knowledge-based person so i like to read so i i can um recommend some books that you can read okay <laughs> i like the book called the inner work of racial justice um the, the inner work of racial justice is by Ron, Rhonda V. Maji. Yeah, the, the important thing is to start getting educated um, on the subject of racism and just reading about it and learning from their experiences, um, talking to people of color about these issues, if that's possible, and there's people of color around you um would be helpful and starting to um for asian people of color i think it's uh even more marginalized sometimes not very talked about so i think um encouraging asian people of color to speak up about this and also um sharing the voices of asian people of color um would might be also helpful Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I think, too, uh, if I, you know, I'm just thinking about from a political or, or government side of things, the role that they play um, in this is, you know, something that does matter is rep- is representation. Representation matters, you know, deeply in this in this situation in terms of um, supporting Asian people of color and and. Um, you know, Black Indigenous and and other people of color as well. So um, having that awareness, you know, it starts in things like um, equal opportunity. I I don't think that's the proper term, but um, you know, admissions to schools, even to to see more um, more Asian people of color to go into the field of mental health to be able to support and, and have, and for people to have that representation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And to, um, if you do want to, an easy way to get to know more people who are working for Asian mental health, you can visit Asian mental health project, um, which is an Instagram handle as well as Asians for mental health. Asians through therapy, Asian Mental Health Collective. And there's a lot more that I have shared on my page if you want to check that out.
0: Amazing, thank you. Thank you so much for this this experience and this opportunity to share and have this conversation with you. Um, For anybody interested in learning more connecting with hope you uh, can find her on instagram at survivor and co um that's that's on instagram and then there's a couple of other places that you can find her um patreon and you also have a website with a blog right it's um Mm -hmm. christina hope is that what it is ChristinaHope.com.
1: Yeah, yeah, Christina Hope dot com, and and the
0: Patreon is also uh of the same name, Survivor and Co. So, again, hope. Thank you so much for joining me. I I, st- I truly appreciate the energy and the time that you put into this, and for sharing your story and and having the courage to um to do this for yourself and and, and your mental health and and your life.
1: <laughs> yeah. No problem. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk about these topics. It was really enjoyable to talk about it um, (laughs) with someone and to share more about what I do. And yeah, it was a very good time. Awesome. Thank 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 you you so much. Stay safe and be well. (laughs) You too.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Outside the House. We'd like to thank our guests, valued sponsors, and of course, all of our listeners for your support. Don't miss any of our weekly episodes. Follow us on social media and subscribe at patreon.com slash outside the house for ad free and uncut content. Stay safe and be well.